Evil is put in our in our life so we can overcome it and grow stronger. And as long as evil will last forever, but as long as it lasts, we're able to um, fend it off. It won't destroy us. It won't overwhelm us. So evil's meant to be fought. Good and evil is meant to have its encounters. That's how we separate who we are. We find out who we truly are. This episode is brought to you by MyBookie Online. Head to MyBookie Online today. Use code HOTBOXING for a chance to receive a $1,000 bonus. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Hot Boxing. I'm Eben Britton. And I'm Mike Tyson. Mike, we got a great guest today, man. Man, bring it in big time before we can go back to the conversation. We got our brother Phil Demers in, the walrus whisperer. Phil, it's great to have you, man. Dude, thanks for having me, guys. Thank I'm you so, so happy much. to be in this company. I'm f- I feel absolutely man. blessed. I'm going to say something that's going to fuck your head up. <laughs> I didn't know this, and no one knew this. I don't think that I know knew this, unless I'm wrong. I didn't know these fucking whales that come from different parts of the world don't understand each other. Different languages. They speak different languages. Blew me away! They yeah. have dialects. They, they have accents from different parts. Same language, different dialects from different Blew parts of the world. Blew me away. I said, how are they living together? They were attacking each other. Yeah, yeah. They didn't understand each other. In SeaWorld. Yes. Yeah. So you tell me that there's warruses that they're unique as well? Yeah, I mean, so orcas, as you were just saying, like they have different languages. And in fact, from different regions of the world, they have the similar language but different accents. I mean, it gets – when you start to, to really delve into the mind and the heart and soul of these animals out there, they are people. They are people. They have conflict with different, with different people of different places and much like, uh, like we do. And, and, and they interact. They have these different large – Crazy meetings called Superpods. After I watched that um, documentary, Blackfish, I had I feel a certain way about these. I feel these people are, are human beings, and these and, and the handlers and they don't understand them. They're trying to tell them something. They're not fucking listening. They're frustrated, and that's where yeah, that's, that's where the they're, they're frustrated. They're trying to tell you. Ah, they're talking to these people. Don't know what the fuck. Play with this toy. Yeah. Phil, why don't you bring us in for our for our audience who don't know your story, exactly what's gone down. You've been in a lawsuit with Marineland, the Canadian Sea World, for six years now. Yeah, a little, we're pushing on seven years come February. Wow. And tell us, tell everybody just how this whole thing began, like where it started for you. So I was an employee of Marinelands from uh, 2000 to 2012. And uh, during this time, Obviously, I established uh, relationships with the animals and whatnot. I, mean, I worked with various species of animals, whales, dolphins, um, uh, beluga whales, seals, sea lions, and, of course, walruses. Um, you know, halfway through my tenure, this very strange situation happened where we received a baby wild-caught walrus. And through this traumatic sort of thing, uh, incident, we were, you know, we were trying to get blood from her to assess their, their health. Well, she got really uh, freaked out. And at, you know, she was about 18 months of age. I sort of tried to calm her and I put my hands in front of her face. And suddenly she took this deep breath. Her nostrils went wide. And she looked up at me and I couldn't tell you what happened at the time. But scientists today will tell you that I imprinted on her. In that moment, I became her mom. Um, she knows my smell, my, the, what I look like. Of course, she knows the sound of my voice. If I'm 100 yards away and she hears me whispering, she starts freaking out because she now wants to be directly by my side. So as you can imagine, this creates a conflict if down the road suddenly that animal and the others suddenly find themselves in a precarious situation, let's say. Um, 
their health starts to decline and things start to get really bad. You know, as was the situation at Marineland. So I really had to make a choice. Am I going to am I going to sit by idly while this is happening? Am I going to speak out about this? So I quit. It was a difficult decision, of course, because I'm having to separate myself from an animal that needs me for her for her own uh, health and well being. But at the time, I'll admit that I I quit with the understanding that I can still be involved in her life. That was the understanding. But after with Marineland, with Marineland, yeah. but after a month of my being away, it was the longest that uh, the walrus Smooshy and I had been away. I went to go visit her, and they wouldn't let me in the park. They were doing whatever they can to keep me away. I said, well, what the fuck's going on here? So I get in, and I run to where I know where she is, and uh, you know she's away from the public, so you know she's hidden. And when I did see her, she was you know she was skinny, she was lethargic, she, she you know she looked like a she didn't look like she was going to last very much longer. I knew that Marineland suddenly did not – we're not going to keep their end of the bargain. So when the newspapers started to call me like, why did you quit? Why did you quit? I, uh, I elected to speak uh, very publicly, put my name and face to the whole thing and they started printing. It became a big It became a big story of course and this is in 2012. This is actually before the documentary Blackfish. So the world was a different place. Interesting. You know? And, and uh, just a little bit of backstory on that. The reason newspapers were interested in why you left is because there had been a lot of news but before about Blackfish, you. But before Blackfish, there's been a lot of attacks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of attacks that um, where Willie, Wild Willie plays. You know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah. were telling us about that yeah. earlier. Yeah, and I will. So, so what happened was essentially Marineland decided, well, let's sue them because that's what corporations do to regular citizens. They use the court system as a means to crush them. Intimidate them. Well, bankrupt, bankrupt them into yeah. silence. And, uh, you know, often what happens in these cases is you're forced to sign non-disparagement agreements. So, you know, I'm fighting tooth and nail not to do that. So nonetheless, they sue me. But the mistake they made is they decided in their little fiction story of a lawsuit uh, to claim that I plotted to steal the walrus. And suddenly – international press they called me the kanye west of animal training i don't know what the fuck that means but it got <laughs> headlines crazy motherfucker. <laughs> 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 so suddenly there was headlines around the world and you know uh, and next thing i know i'm on the joe rogan podcast and next thing you know the profile's going huge people are paying my legal bills and no shit wow. now marine land goes from this you know top of the chain legacy uh, burgeoning business to they are now on their last leg just decimated right but the lawsuit continues because – and just as well as I'm here now, I'd, I'd, I've actually levied additional threats on account of coming here. Don't you talk about us, you know? Well, here I am talking about you. <laughs> They're finished though now. They're pretty finished, yeah. It seems like that, man. Um, it's been a long time coming. It's been a long six years. I mean I have to admit that uh, as much as I'm sitting here smiling and laughing and of course I'm in a, I'm in a wonderful supportive place. That's, that's really yeah. important. It helps you. But it's been a hell of a fucking ride. Like it's, a, then, it's an arduous again, thing. Well, they travel from so far away to get there. Hundreds, yeah. of, hundreds of miles. A hundred miles a day let's say. You imagine that? Oh, fucking in water, yeah. out of water. The one – the first movie I think it came out just before Blackfish – um, the Cove. The Cove, yeah. About the Berry. dolphins. You see that? Uh, vaguely. They herd these dolphins in. It's in Japan. Taiji. Yeah, yeah, they trap them. They yeah. trap them in this cove. They fucking slaughter a ton of them, take babies. and They release the rest back in the ocean, if you can imagine. So when they sit there and they say, well, hey, we, we slaughtered 15, right. 20, 30, 
and they released another uh, 50 of them, well, you know, half of those are going to die from trauma. So yeah. it's really an inaccurate figure when they talk about the deaths. It's a lot – it's grosser. Those reverberations of those types of, of these animals witnessing this stuff, it just reverberates through the oceans forever. Well, how, do you know not to, how do you know to leave a couple? How do you know not to kill them all? If they're not aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. and they're too old, mm. they're not good for meat. So they'll keep some for slaughter for meat. They'll keep the, the young, pretty ones for captivity. The rest they just don't need. They get rid of them. But a lot of them, of course, they're, those are their family members that have just been slaughtered. Those yeah. are the family members that the babies have just been separated from i mean these are really really traumatic experiences and it changes their world i mean no so we don't even know the um the psychological tendencies of these dolphins the world because we find out that the elephants they saw they 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 they, they mourn like we do yeah, yeah. elephants they cry yeah. same as uh dolphins will carry their dead babies yeah. on their head in a type of oh, vigil yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, for weeks on it well, just last year in uh, the salish sea there was an orca who uh who held vigil for her dead uh a baby orca calf had, literally was mourning, and, ki- and the family members were supporting her and supporting the, the actual the, the dead carcass for like in excess of forty days, if I'm not mistaken. Like an epic mourning, it it, it captured the world. It really captivated the world, and, and people are starting to recognize that these these animals' emotional intelligence is so fe- so beyond anything we can understand. We at least know now that putting them in tanks is just absolutely outrageous. Yeah. I mean, once you understand how intelligent these animals are, how emotionally intelligent, how much they feel and how much they connect and how social they are, I can't go – I can't take my daughter to aquariums anymore. I always with, say uh, with friends, a clear conscience. friends don't let friends go to uh, SeaWorld. You know, they just don't. You can't do it. It's Yeah. It's just you know, one of I those had things. tigers like big cats and if you sleep in the bed with you, let them sleep in the house if they should, you can't get them out. It'd be impossible to get them out the house. With the big cats. Impossible. They won't leave. Because <laughs> they're just part of the family. Well, they're too big to get them out. What are you going to do if he sits down? Even if you got to change him, he just lays that bone. What I mean, are you going to do? How much does he weigh? 700 pounds? pounds. How you gonna, you can't do nothing. He <laughs> can't do nothing. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I had this dream, like as a young child, and it was always to have a pet tiger. It just, it was just seemed like the most outrageous and crazy thing that could be conceived. And you had that, man. That's just insanity. Yeah. The trip with them, they're so insecure. They'll kill you if they think you're leaving them. Wow. They think you're going to leave them, they'll kill you. Interesting. Well, I mean, you can yeah. see the effects of even cats and dogs when you leave. It gets, mm-hmm. It's quite a traumatic thing. Oh, Very yeah. often, people, when they leave their houses and their dogs they, tear the place they're apart. They're not like yeah. lions. They, they're freak. Yeah. If they see, if they see, like, if you see a male tiger and a female tiger, and it's not breeding season, they're going to kill each other. That happens very often in zoos. They try to, yeah. they try to uh, pair animals from different facilities, and they, they, they do the introduction. Boom! One of them dies. They get they killed. Kill it's like, other. well, that was a bust. So we know that. So obviously, walruses are. At, on that same level of emotional intelligence. So when we as trainers started to compare animals, when you deal with pinnipeds, so that's like your seals, sea lions, and, and walruses, um, you know, seals and sea lions sort of stand on their own. They would, I would compare them more of the sort of puppy dog level, uh-huh. you know. But walruses, we always compare to orcas. We figured uh, the only difference is they don't move Field nearly as quickly. Field dogs. Yeah, yeah, they really do. Even in their demeanor, in, in as you know them, and I worked and interacted with them, uh, became sort of friends with them. They're more interested in fish than anything. They're not very tactile. They don't like to be touched. I mean, you could train them and stuff, but uh, and I did do some sort of experimenting with them where I would uh, try to establish a, a legit friendship. Just mm-hmm. let me see. Let me sit beside you. I'm not giving you fish. Nothing. Let me see how curious you are. Let me see if you allow me to get close to you. And you know, I did actually develop some pretty interesting uh, relationships that uh, gave me great perspective. But you know, they are on a, a level that. 
you know, seals and sea lions are just not walruses. Walruses' emotional intelligence and just their general intelligence is they're really cunning animals. They're really smart. Uh, their only, I guess, downfall is uh, they don't move very quick, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got pretty bad eyesight and whatnot, which doesn't serve them well. But uh, yeah, really, really emotional. I mean, and uh, my relationship, my anomalous relationship with the walrus is case in point of that. And this is sort of the, what I think is important for the world to recognize. When we consider these animals, we don't always consider what their emotional capabilities are. Well, here I can demonstrate to you that this animal loves me. I mean, now you, now if, once, you can, once you can no longer deny that animals love and that they have these powerful bonds with their family members and mothers especially, then you start to see just how brutal some of the things we do to them are. Mm. Yeah, so talk about the conditions. I mean, obviously being isolated in a tank or in a cage for most of your life is already traumatic enough, enough to call, cause psychosis. But what are the other conditions? I mean, is it just a a lack of understanding that this is tolerated in these corporations? I mean, is it – It should be noted that these facilities are not new. You yeah. don't hear of new pools and really – I mean, right. the last decade and the, these are legacy businesses from the 70s. So the pools themselves are just like absolutely brutal. These are acoustic animals in an, in a in a concrete pool with filters and and generators running at all times and it's blisteringly loud with the music going and um, a bunch of strange motherfuckers looking at you all day. And these are these are really hyperchlorinated pools. If you want clean water with a whale shitting it all day, you're going to need a lot of chlorine. You see the glisten of the water when you show there it's crystal clear. That's because uh, they're getting pummeled with the with the chlorine, and that hyperchlorination is pretty tough on them. Let's say really tough. Long-term effects, these animals go blind. I mean, seals and sea lions, you, know, you rarely that's see why an they, animal. That's why you get a lot of animal attacks. What do you, it's just like prison. You got those guys in prison all day, so you play with them for an hour a day. And so what's going to happen when you get in contact with them and you turn your back on them? What are they going to do to you? I mean, that's a good analogy, really. It, 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 they're in prisons. They don't right. want to be there. They want out. And the only thing that helps them, for the most part, is exercise. But literally, as if you spent as much time as you could with them you could never give them what they need i mean you still these animals are in cages 24 hours of the day they get actual hands-on attention if they're lucky eight eight hours a day and then the rest of them they're they just may go insane in some of them may have to you have to go insane well yeah. that's what happened to tillicum he went nuts and he started to kill all the uh he started he went on the killing spree with the trainer they had to go insane there's no troll. yeah talk you were saying a little bit about that earlier phil of you know the orcas and it's so interesting because you have to treat them all like they're insane. Yeah, you got to come from a place where you recognize their trauma. If you right. go in there pretending like there isn't a problem, you're never going to understand them. Yeah, People are recognizing this now. I mean we are amidst uh, what's called a paradigm shift. People now look at animals in cages and, and, and specifically are often whales in pools because, you know, on account of the documentary Blackfish. And they see now that that's, uh, that's a mess. Whereas if – you know, even as early as 10 years ago, you could have had thousands of people around a pool staring at what is obviously a very depressed orca and they wouldn't know. Yeah. Now you look at it and you can't, you can't deny it. You know, yeah. The internet came and now you're able to click a button and watch a live feed of live migrating orcas and you see the way they interact. You see how stealthy they are in their, ho- in their natural environment. They've got that large uh, dorsal fin, yeah. so high and erect sailing through like, at, yeah. at insane speeds. And then you go to captivity and they're literally just – you know they're just logging there, and it's it's brutal. It, it, there's you know, something um, about it that, that it 
being in captivity breaks them. You're yeah. not looking at absolutely. You're not looking at a good another movie I watched too. Animal. Another movie I watched. You know what else? Another movie I watched. It was about people. Um, they were doing a documentary on um, orcas, and they and this particular guy was doing research on great white sharks, and they put a remote thing on them, and all of a sudden they heard a little problem, and they followed the thing. Like a couple of weeks later, they still following, and the uh, thing that they had, um, the remote that they had, the tracker that they had on the white shark was in the stomach of the orca. orca. He ate the yeah. sharks. Yeah. 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 I've seen videos of the great white shark. Yeah. It's insane. He hit them so fast he killed them. Broke them in half. Yeah. And they hunt as armies, imagine. Yeah. Like, they are in large groups very often. So, yeah, uh, great when whites attack, turn... When they attack the gray whales, they be, they, they drown them. Yeah. Because they're too big for them. They can't even take bites and they got to drown them. Crazy. Man, I find it remarkable that any time any topic comes up on this show, Mike, you seem to know so much about it. It's fascinating. I mean, Mike's well read. I, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm speaking to a veteran about with whales. It's insane. I need to do this ad read, but first, I've got some money to collect, so I need to call my bookie. Oh, hey there, Eben. I need my money, Uncle G. What money are you talking about? Last week, I put... $100 on the Jags, I won, and I still have not received my money, dude. Ah, you know I'm good for it there, uh, Eben. But, you know, I took a, I took a big bath on the, uh, the, the Bears. You know, they covered what? the spread. I didn't think they were going to cover the spread. Uncle they, G, this is your problem, dude. I need my money. Well, what the hell? Trubitsky all of a sudden can, like, throw, like, uh, three or four touchdown passes out of nowhere. That's my fault. Look, I need my money. You know, my my aunt, she's very elderly, and she's on a fixed income. This is she's on a fixed your income. problem. This is your problem. Yeah, man, if uh, I was you, I wouldn't even listen to that motherfucker. Go online right now. That's where I'm going to go. I'm going to my bookie online no, right don't now. don't go there. Don't go there. Trust me. You don't even need that guy. Don't listen to Mike. My bookie online. I'm going there right now. You know why? Because you bet you win. They pay, buddy. <laughs> MyBookie Online has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Sign up for a chance to receive a $1,000 bonus at MyBookie Online today. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code HOTBOXING to activate the offer. Or call Uncle G. My number is 312-785-5755. And then ask for uh, Uncle G, or, you know, as my dad calls me, Gerald. Forget all that. Go to MyBookie online today. And don't forget to use the promo code HOTBOXING when creating your account to claim the bonus. Listen, I love knowing about um, life because we're going to die not knowing nothing about life. What we learned about life in our lifetime is so minute. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna almost die being idiots. And we think we know so much. It's the very thing I don't want. That's why I'm a fan of the uh, medication of the plant genre. Yeah, absolutely. For, for you have Taken ayahuasca. I I was intent on uh, having some DMT while I was here, but it just didn't quite work out. But uh, I I haven't I haven't smoked DMT. Uh, I am keen on it. 
I, I see the. Uh, I, Listen, I, I where can does use that the stuff humility, come you know? from? Where does that stuff come from? And how do you? How does it know to attack those parts of your brain that make you respond the way that you respond from it? Well, the fact that it's in our bodies and produced naturally, anyways, it's a natural part of us. It's just a part of us well, that we're. But why does the toad brings it out more so than we do? Yeah, that is interesting. What is it about the five meo that's different than just the, your traditional that, DMT? That extra methyl oxy group supercharges it through the blood-brain barrier. Do you get the at the front of the forehead, the whole blasting off? No, with that? no, I don't know what I get. I don't know. Maybe it's but no one I know. Um. <laughs> I know um, I go somewhere that um, you get humbled so fast. You can't even fight it. Shit. I was saying to Eben earlier, I think the relevance and importance of this podcast is that you're bringing together these these groups of generally like alpha males these successful people like you know granted with the exception of me i'll take that little <laughs> but <You're> an alpha <laughs> bro. but uh you know you, you you put these 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 men amongst men in circles here and what happens is suddenly you find everyone speaking from a place of vulnerability and of uh, wisdom and and of humility and i think it's breaking down barriers um Whereas otherwise, you know, people see just traditional men and they just want to, you know, they have a perspective of them and, and have an expectation. But here, it's breaking all of that. It's uh, it's really opening up conversations and and really you're you're, you're demonstrating the sensibility of of, of humans here uh, of men, and uh, I think that's really important because I'm I'm having conversations with friends whereas I wouldn't. I'm in a hockey dressing room whereas normally we're just chugging beers and breaking bottles over our head. Uh, now instead we're talking about uh, you know I think I experienced some trauma back then because yeah. uh, you know yeah. it's crazy man. I, you know, I I have to extend some gratitude to you for that because it's, you're changing the world with this. Thing. You know what? Listen, it comes down to this: we all struggle. We all struggle with this hypothesis of a god. That we know exists, but we don't know him, or her, or it. We know it exists, but we don't have no relationship with it. We say we talk to him, but we don't get the relationship that we really know we want with it. We don't have understanding why we're here, what is our purpose. Who, who am I? Who are you? Who's the first you? Who's the first me? The first male bloodline in my blood. He, might, he could have been a Chinese. He could have been a um, European. could have been Asian. could have been anything. So many years we've been here without knowing. My belief that human beings are the the epitome, physical manifestation of the universal mind, of the universal consciousness. And we get to have this individual experience of this grand play like expression it's unfolding yes and we're one little expression of that and this consciousness that we have it's just we get to have this experience because it is built into the fabric of the universe you know like our breath we breathe because there is wind because there's the air you know our bodies are made of water and energy and star matter, shit that's blasted across the universe and other galaxies where it's literally the same components, you know. And for whatever reason, we're on this fucking rock careening through space having to figure out what the fuck we're doing here. 
But listen, this is interesting. If any other, if any other species besides a human being, if, if it's all annihilated, if it doesn't live, this world is over. The, the human species, we all die, this world continues to flourish. Yes. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. I know. All the bugs die, this world dies. Yeah, we're done. All the trees die, we done. We're done. If we done, the world flourish. Flourish. Yeah. What the fuck, man? That's just, I don't want to say nothing, but is that really fair? God, you know? It, we're useless here. What is our purpose? We're exactly. useless. Exactly. I know my experience with this whole, people say to me, like, you know, what were you thinking when you made this decision? What were you thinking when you – or like, how did you come to make this decision? And you know, in, in retrospect, I say I haven't made a single decision. Mm-hmm. They've all been made for me and what I'm blessed with is just being a witness to it all. I have, a, I have a, the best seat in the house yes. for my experience. But I haven't made a decision. It's all been made for me. It's well said, man. I, I totally agree. thousand. Yeah. Because who are we? Who are we to think when we die we're going to hell? <laughs> Listen, everything everything that we're we're experiencing has been made up time and space. We're made, imagine going somewhere with no time and space. I took the toll. I went somewhere with no time and space, and it was frightening that not knowing anything. My whole life flashed in front of me, from the beginning of my life to the end of my life, and now I'm still here. Now what? Everything's gone. Now what? What's the next level? I'm still here waiting. I'm not dead yet. My energy's still vibrating. I don't have no body. I don't see my body, but I'm still here. My feelings, fear, and all that shit is still going on. I mean, that's why you, I mean, Mike, that's why you carry on, man. That's why Phil is, you know, being a voice for the voiceless. That's why I'm so doing do what I'm doing. work out, Phil, with you and these people? Well, so the villain of the story is dead. The owner of the park, he was a very old man. He obviously did not, we, he and I didn't see eye to eye. Um, he was the sole controlling mind of the entire company. He's the one that wanted essentially what I'll call here revenge. But he's passed away, so I don't see why it makes any sense for this to continue. However, uh, it is said that there is a, uh, a death wish of sorts for this lawsuit to continue, and it's evident in how Marineland's lawyer is operating because it's just they only exclusively operate with hostilities. And, you know, I'm trying to bring a little bit of humility to the story and trying to offer for them like some type of peace, but they're just not, you know, in lawsuits aren't rational. So we're in what I would call hard negotiations and I'm willing to negotiate with hostilities as long as I have to. I mean, I've got a hell of a large voice now on account of the fact that I've been responding to Marine Landing Kind and I've been blessed with the tools to do so on account of podcasts of the sort. I know what's going on right now because I know how these people think. You know, being a black man. These animals don't got no fucking rights. I own these animals. Whatever they deserve is what I think they deserve. They don't know shit about these animals. Fuck They don't know anything about the fucking animals. They just know the animals draw attention and they make money. They don't know nothing about the animals. They don't know the fucking animal temperature or nothing. Marineland knows the writing's on the wall finally. They, they're still trying to silence me. And in the strangest way, I have to thank them for this fight because they've, they've brought this to me and, and, you know, they made me. They made me stronger they brought me here. You know, they took me to a place where I have to exercise a lot of introspection to be able to sustain this fight. You know, I've had, I've been tested and you know, the greatest test is yourself. That's for sure. And in my ayahuasca experience, you know, I witnessed my death, but more so I witnessed the death of what I would call my caricature. The thing that I thought I was, the thing that I sort of brand, you know, the hat with my this shirt. And I saw this sort of cartoon version of me die <laughs> and the reemergence of a more raw, 
real me. Just like a, a more you – know, I got a hell of a better perspective now. I now feel like this is an absolute blessing. Like whereas other people would call this a nightmare, it's been yes. a blessing. I can say when I took the toad, man, I died right away. Quick, whoa, I'll say, whoa, I'm dead. Fuck. Like your consciousness would tell like you felt, uh, you're like, I just died. Yeah. I fucking just took this hit and I'm oh, dead. fuck. I'm Ugh. dead. I'm a dumb motherfucker. Why did I do that? Oh, shit. It's over now. I thought, oh, shit. That's uh, crazy feeling. Crazy. That would be a, a depth of fear. <laughs> that, that's the ultimate depth of fear and discomfort. I, I, I imagine, did it come with discomfort or was it something you were at peace with in the, in the immediate I moment? I fought it right away. Right. But then I just died and it took me where it had to take me. You know, that's what a lot of people need is that to experience that fear to come down from a place of, of that's so ego driven. And that's the thing that I've had to sort of try to. Uh, Once you take the toll, you're not afraid to die anymore. Yeah, that would be that's the thing I still want to shed a little bit more. I want it's a fear of death that I think is the root of all fear. And mine was very intense and, and really inspired my uh, my speaking out in many ways, obviously with the prospect of the walrus dying, but also in that. um you know, you just become scared you know, that. Take it away. This, this is very simple. Do you think our God or our universe, you know, who, who made us the way we are and the way we conduct, really will want to hurt us after we die and send us to some bad place? Really, do you think so? Cause I think, like when I when I go under the toad, there's no um, right or wrong. There's no law. There's no police. It's you true. Know, We've it's constructed this reality. You know what I mean? That's what most of us are afraid of, our own conscience, what we know that we never forget, something we believe we did wrong and no one knows anymore. We're so afraid to be transparent in the world we live in now. Mm. We're afraid of judgment and stuff. That's why I think this podcast serves just uh, you know a lot of people well. Where do you that, think that uh, comes from? Judgment? Because fear yeah. is a primal instinct. It's one of the things that keeps us alive. We're meant to be afraid because that helps us survive. Is there a fucking saber-toothed tiger around the corner? Is somebody going to kill me? Am I Did safe? Did your mother ever say this? Make sure you wear clean underwear just in case something happens and you have to take you off your pants and make sure you have clean underwear. Your underwear are clean or something. See, in black I'm families, sure they so. always say that, right? And I'm saying, I'm saying if I'm dead, why are you going to care if my underwear is clean or not, right? Like if I'm in an accident or something. And um, it's all about somebody... Must have in the old black world, somebody must have gotten in trouble. They had to take their pants off, and they may have shit stained or something in their drawers. And that's been legendary through all the history of the black world. Always have clean underwear on, just in case you get in trouble and you have to take your pants off. So I wonder who was the guy with the shitty underwear? Probably in nineteen eight, eighteen oh five or something. Some shitty underwear black kid. Who's the guy with the shitty underwear? Yeah. You got to go back in the history books and just find the guy with the nickname Shitty. <laughs> Somewhere. We're shitty. We're shitty. Maybe shitty. But that fear of judgment, like, where the fuck, man? I guess it's just we don't want to be because in the tribal setting, that means being exiled. Yeah. That means being isolated. That means being killed even. Right. It's funny. I'll post something. Uh, in fact, it was a very there was a very controversial photo, <laughs> which was not controversial in the least. But uh, Joe Rogan and I, we, he was in Toronto, so uh, we went for dinner, and he, he t- we did a selfie outside of this restaurant, and the restaurant is known for serving meat. And you know, you, the the post goes up, and you get a thousand double thumbs up comments, but then you get the one in a thousand that's 
don't you know where this meat comes from? And they, they start hammering you and it's then it seems the thousand of praise and, and all these different nice comments are gone out the window because now you're just like, oh shit. Like you just start feeling bad for that judgment. And then, you know, it, you seem to focus more often on the judgment and the negativity when you, when you, you know, when you're, I guess when people are essentially judging you. Um, and that's the thing that Absolutely. I'm learning well, to just so not, not focus on. Listen, you know? Can you imagine this? Imagine being on the stage and everyone's applauding, but one person's not applauding. You're not, look, you're not the only person you're focused on. It's true. It's true. It's and true. You don't even know why he's not. We don't know. He may not have hands. He must. He might be high. Something might be wrong. He might be on the phone. But he's not applauding. That fucked your head up. Yeah. Everybody's not applauding. One person out of nine thousand, <laughs> and you're fucked. You know that's really interesting because that really resonates with me. Looking back at my football career, I get yeah. all these people. Man, you're awesome. You're the best. Have you're fucking. You're the man. You're tough as fuck. You're awesome. And, like, the few individuals who, I don't know, some you know insane asshole on. Life that yeah. you can't you're shit. You're not good. Can't please everybody. Right. Can't. Now, and I would focus on that one asshole who said something, you know, critical about my game or whatever it was. But now, I don't know what it is. I don't know how I've got here. But it's everything I've done. Every step I've taken. Every breath. Every fucking 30 minutes added on top of each other of meditation day after day. I don't know this connection with spirit, but I could see a thousand fuck yous and get one guy who says, dude, you're awesome. I love you. And I will focus all of my attention on that one yeah, guy. You, that's the conscious shift yes, that, that, that needs to happen. Good. People need to just respect the good. My you friend, know, my friend, Spandy. My friend Spandy has a great saying further to what you were saying with the, you know, you got a thousand people applauding and one person not is, uh, every time I talk to him, I'm just like, oh shit, dude, this, 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 he always says to me, uh, dude, your mind creates every time 99 problems and none of them happen. It, none of them happen. Yeah. You fu- it eats you up and none of it happens. I'm always just yeah. like, oh, dude. When I brought him in here today and introduced you to his name's Spandy Andy, by the way. He's a street performer. And we just, Spandy Andy. Yeah, yeah, we meet each other all over the, the world because he's always traveling. And uh, I call him my emotional support. Uh, yeah, but, right? dude. It's great. But uh, he's always, you know, he's, he's a real humble dude. He's traveled the earth. He's, he's, been, he's been homeless. He's, he's, you know, he's had money here and there. But his perspective is amazing in life. He actually had a grandmother who survived the Holocaust. Uh, lost all of her, her husband included family and everything, came back, came to Canada and she had always instilled in him this level of happiness and perspective. And he is just, he's just a wealth of wisdom because that's passed on, you know, and he just, he, he just knows to live it up. He dances around the world in spandex, man. Like, you know, he's, awesome. there's nothing you can do but smile because he, he's got, he's got the gift. It's contagious. It's laughter and everything, but he's got that wisdom. Your mind creates 99 problems that never happen. Never happen. So true. So true. He's saying in my oh, I, I just got by that one. Never existed. <laughs> yeah. You having fights that never existed. Yeah. Okay, if I could divest myself of all the different things I thought was gonna happen at the beginning of this journey, I would have I would have I wouldn't have had an iota of anxiety. It was yeah. all anxiety over things that never happened. So how do you feel about zoos? I don't like zoos that much. I've, what I'm sort zoos? of jaded, right? What are zoos? Zoos, where they, where they have animals. Oh, zoos. Like, not not marine know, animals. This is some enlightenment shit. <laughs> zoos. Zoos. <laughs> no, no. No, I'm not, I'm not a big fan. I Non-marine mean, animals. You know, in, in some 
cases, they're doing some good work. Uh, but normally when you get into sort of their finances, you see how little money actually gets allocated to this type of work. But okay, that's that's my criticism of that. Uh, but there's certain animals that just really not shouldn't be in captivity. I think that there are some that it's fine. There are some just should not. All right, so look at this. This is another um, Catch-22. So a tiger or something... His lifespan in the in the zoo is probably thirteen, maybe fifteen years. It might be three years in the wild. So what do you say about that? I say it lives ten really shitty years. <laughs> I think it would rather live its three in the wild. I think I, it wants to serve its purpose. It would, I, I, yeah. I, I kind of agree with know, that one. Then. If you take away killing from a tiger, what the hell is it anymore? Right? If they're feeding them meat and that's Nothing. it, what is it anymore? Yeah. yeah. Mike, you know about King Leopold? Oh yeah, from Belgium. Yeah. And he went to and he went to um to Africa and what part of Congo Africa? with the Congo yeah and so he made these guys suck the rub out the tree get the rub out the tree get the oil get the gold and they chopped their hands off and all that shit he did, he did vicious a, he did a number on those guys brutal yeah. and well the reason I bring him up is because they brought pygmies over and put them in cages in the U S really yeah I don't doubt that yeah U S would cage anything at the Bronx Zoo um. They had it's the story of this guy Obadenge. He was a pygmy from the Congo, and there was some I don't know explorer hunter of the time at the time, an American guy. He was basically hired to go get one of these people, and two two put two in there. Yeah, did it to white people too. Yeah, you know that right? They put them in the zoo, and they had people watching them, seeing how they interact. I don't know if they were homeless or anything, but there were some white people and they put them in there and they lived and all and everybody was just looking at them. It's crazy. Watching they were fuck in front of everybody, just lived their life right in front of everybody, act like they weren't even there. It's crazy, man. Yeah. It's time has changed our perspective. I mean, there was a time when that was fine. It's just yeah. like there's a, there was a time when whale captivity is fine. Just like there will be a time when zoos do not exist. Yeah. I mean, other than for the purpose of reintroduction, reintroduction of uh, of uh, you know at risk species and whatnot. I mean, I can see the validity the validity in that. But if they're not being reintroduced in the wild, then those animals have no purpose anyways. Like it's just you, you, if you look at from the animal's perspective, are you doing any animal a favor, keeping it alive, uh, but not allowing it to act? Actually, live like its purpose. I don't know. I just I, some species of animals they seem to do fine. Elephants, big cats, whales, uh, uh, apes, uh, monkeys. They sh- just they. I don't think they should ever be confined and uh, and taken away from their natural environment. I mean, that's they. They just need to remain there. Do, we should do our best to protect and 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 support that. Give them their world. Let let them live their world. Right, and I think then once we get that, once we really understand that, we're going to have a lot more harmony. I think we, I yeah. think we as humans carry a lot of guilt, maybe even unconsciously, of some of the destruction we're doing. Because, like you say, uh, we're just, you know, we're so connected to the world, we're made of water and everything else. You can't help but not feel its fucking plight. You know, its perils. Absolutely. How would you feel if somebody kicked your door down, killed you and your spouse, kidnapped your kids, and put them in a cage for the rest of their life? That's what's happening, right? I'm sure it's been done. Yeah. For humans before, I'm sure it's been done. Yeah. It's a strange fun. Like, what is the function of evil? Because it seems like it's, it's is that the path of least resistance? Is I think it's just ego. be evil? No, no. Evil is, um, evil is put in our, in our life where we can overcome it hmm. and grow stronger 
And as long as evil will last forever, but as long as it lasts, we're able to um, fend it off. It won't destroy us. It won't overwhelm us. You know. So evil's uh, meant to be fought. Only be, uh, good and evil is meant to have its encounters. That's how we separate who we are. We find out who we truly are from that encounter. I mean, that's been my experience in this journey. I wouldn't be who I am now, but I always was. I just didn't know it, you know? Yeah. And I believe some evil happens with people out being un- unconscious that this is really evil, you know? And somebody's they just doing, think they're doing and somebody's what's been right. Doing something since the beginning of his existence and his grandfather and his great-grandfather and it's been passed down that way and it's been okay ever since. How can it be wrong? Yeah. If my whole existence told me that you're bad and you're a bad person, your, your life don't matter, your feelings don't matter, why am I going to say they're wrong? Or be convinced. Yeah. Um, Mike, you know who John Lilly is? No, tell me about him. Phil probably can give you a good... Uh, John Lilly was like this, I don't know, I, I'll give you what I can, what I can offer. It's kind of this... Uh, you know, he had a unique mind, that's for sure. But he was a scientist, and he was performing a bunch of different experiments <laughs> with dolphins and stuff. And He did acid and started communicating telepathically yeah, with that. dolphins. Tell me, tell me he was trying to bridge the gap of yeah. communication. So he, he actually flooded a house and had dolphins. And so he and his assistant would live with them. And, uh, and it's worth Googling <laughs> to get the depth of it all. But, you know, it includes some, like, strange sexual encounters and lots of, of use of drugs and whatnot. But he would eventually go on to invent the, uh, the float tanks. You're familiar with uh, float tanks where you go into these chambers? Yeah. yeah. The, That's like, John Lilly like concept and idea. Shit. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah so you know, tried, I know who he is. He's yeah. written some really great books and crazy stuff. And yeah, I showed Joe yesterday that he's at, <laughs> Joe unbeknownst to him and definitely unbeknownst to John Lilly or whoever probably put the picture on is actually his photo is Dead set photo is on the big on, on the, one of the books. And so, so we saw weird. that yesterday. It was freaking hilarious, uncanny, but it's totally fitting, isn't it? It's so fitting. Yeah, it's interesting how he went from that interspecies communication. Who studies that? Who thinks I'm going to take a bunch of LSD? Well, probably taking the LSD is what led him to want to do that. Really, because yeah, whereas before there would be that there wouldn't be that bridged gap. Suddenly he's just like, oh wait a shit, that's a that's I, a I'm conscious the belief. In ancient times, we had a different relationship with animals than we have now. Yeah, and I'm under the auspices that people had trained tigers and lions, and I said, "Listen, man, used I, them for war." Yeah, listen, forget this. All right, I see people in Africa now. They got trained hyenas, wild hyenas, trained like dogs, hanging out with them, playing with them. And they're monsters too. How do you do that? Ooh. Yeah, it's an interesting idea about why we haven't, at least in the West, domesticated any more animals. It's been like. That's a, we, that's a process that takes maybe hundreds of thousands of years or right. tens of no, thousands. I don't know if it could happen overnight. In ancient times, they had everything domesticated. They had the elephant domesticated. They had the dogs. The Romans had the dogs um, fucking um, domesticated during war. The dogs were in war with the Romans. So you, you have to wonder if then maybe they were using, instead of dominance, because it, you know, training now is and, and animal captivity is, is based on dominance. You dominate the animals. But it mm. seems like as we become more humble and we try to bridge the gap of communication, maybe back then they were so freaking genius and conscious that they were able to communicate with the animals and have more trusting relationships without having to starve them and beat them. Listen, right. I'm, no, I, yeah. no, so, I'm going to tell you another crazy story about animals, right? The Christians used to always have pigeons 
make um, communications across like the thousand send miles, messages. send messages like a thousand miles during the crusade. So the Muslims started thinking the Arabs are okay. They trained falcons, for yeah, falcons and captured them. And then they, and that's they, how that started. Yeah, that's that's counter- so crazy. Yeah, they counter- that's so crazy. They counter their fucking attack. They read the message. Okay, so they counter them. That's how falconing yes. started. Yes. That's so fascinating, dude. No, it started with the poor. The peasants started the first, and some royal sword and said, "I want that." Mm. And stole the guy's thing, and they had they taught those guys how to start doing falconing. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the intelligence of crows? I mean, we're finding out that these are like brilliant animals, capable of like uh, pretty crows. complex mathematical uh, equations. They're, they're solving Very puzzles. Far. Yeah, that I mean, even in in uh, I, mean, I don't know. They're, they're, they, there's something mystical about those animals, right? When you see a freaking crow over your shoulder, it seems oh, yeah. like he's one of the, I don't know. He knows something. You, you see him all see, the time. You see the crow. You normally see those little crows dodging. Yeah, that was yeah. Just, around the eggs and stuff. They steal eggs and stuff. Yeah. Those nasty bastards. They use tools in the wild even. I mean, yeah. really, crows we're finding out are, are mad geniuses. And that's going to scare the shit out of you once you start to delve into the intelligence of animals that you thought were outright stupid. It's you know? so dumb. It's. It, I think it's ignorant for us to not understand that animals have consciousness and thoughts and emotions. You know, Evan, listen, they were here before us. We learned right. from them. You never heard somebody say, man, you punch like fucking tight. No, you punch like a fucking bull. You know, you're <laughs> yeah, strong yeah. as a bull, motherfucker. Yeah. That's because those animals were here before us. You know yeah. what I mean? We yeah. imitated them. Yeah. You know, imagine people were so, imagine when they probably had babies, they probably killed them right away, or ate them right away when we first started having babies. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know it wasn't. It caused so much fucking pain. It made you miserable. You hated it. That's that so interesting time. because I've thought about that. They killed them at first. Like if you were a cave person way back in the day, one of the first early humans, and you got pregnant and you gave birth, what the fuck are you thinking? Well, some people commit suicide. And you'd never seen some that. Of them, some of them commit suicide. Killed the baby, thought the baby was a demon probably, and killed the baby, threw it over a cliff. It makes you appreciate living today. Yeah. <laughs> Holy man. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, How my spoiled God. Life are we? Is, this is heavenly. Normally during what that are we time, doing right now? Like time you're talking about the, the father of the baby was probably your father. You know? Yeah, yeah. Somebody that conquered your tribe and killed everybody and then they raped you or something. Yeah. Yeah, That's you know, a trip. And it's a common practice in captivity to breed uh, family members and, and just, Incest. In, in, just do it. The, the animals over are worth so again. much. The orcas, in the case of orcas, they're worth so much. Go ahead, do it uh-huh. and breed them. Right. Uh, Tilikum was the father of like well, hundreds, right? Uh, not, I, I don't know if it's hundreds. I, I'd say not hundreds, but not he, hundreds. he did father a lot of uh, the current collection. One of which, Ike, Ikeka, actually became in possession of, uh, of Marineland Canada. We worked with Ike. And uh, as I mentioned before, Ike was starting to show uh, some vi- some uh, violent traits and some mental health he issues. He was Tilikum's son. Tilikum's son. Yeah. And he was at Marineland. I worked with him. And, uh, you know, things started to get a little scary with him. And we would tell SeaWorld we were in constant communication with him, of course. And SeaWorld uh, insisted that Marineland put up barriers to keep people away from him. He was starting to lunge at us, lunge at the trainers, lunge at the general population. And um, – Marineland would do nothing of it because no one tells Marineland what to do. So uh, SeaWorld <laughs> sued Marineland and successfully got that orca removed from Marineland. And I'll, I will tell you here wow. that I think that if they didn't, he was going to kill someone. He, he was going to kill somebody. Someone. Yeah, and it might have been my girlfriend who was what, it was one of his head trainers. Mm. That's so nuts. You ever get an orca in there that really knows he's a bad – you know, sometimes we have pigeons that just know they're the shit. 
Some of them pigeons know they fly higher than all the pigeons. They fly longer. They know that the shit went on the ground. They're always cocking the girls or coming close and they're beautiful. Yeah, I worked with some really, really, really amazing animals. I, I, um, yeah, I look back. The wars. What did the wars have to offer? So here's what's happening now. There's, uh, you know, three walruses died in the last 18 months at fucking oh. Marineland. Very quietly. No one, you know, they don't announce it. I find out. I announce it. They make a statement. It's ugly PR. Uh, <laughs> they must hate your lashes. Dude, they hate me, man. Dude, no, they're coming after me with they everything. They hate your lashes. They, dirty drugs. They've, uh, they've sent, like, goons to my house, man. Hired tough guys. Like, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. You know, I got a little documentary. If you go to the website, savesmooshy.com. So that's S-A-V-E. Uh, dot com. There's a short documentary, but it includes video of like sort of the tough guys coming around and the owner himself stalking my house. And, you know, they, they've resorted to just absolutely everything. Um, so basically now there's only two walruses left that I know of uh, at Marineland. Um, you know, they're otherwise, they're not even on public display. Marineland keeps them hidden from the, from the public, but they come out at the end of the show for the sake of a simple wave. The problem is Smooshy comes out and all she wants to do is look for me. It's all she's no. ever done in the last seven years. So Tommy, um... These places, what's the name of these places again? Marineland. Marineland and stuff. SeaWorld zoos, SeaWorld, aquariums. Places. That's like, um, that's almost like what you, what those, um, the, the penthouse, the top hop shows, what's those things again? Like the carnival. That's like a carnival almost, huh? Hmm. It's exactly what it is. At Marineland, these animals serve only uh, to, to, for entertainment purposes. They're still trainers. Imagine even in this day, despite all the criticism and, and the, 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 the essential downfall of, of, of Marineland and SeaWorld's, uh, you know, SeaWorld's getting decimated as well. You know, we're, we're part of a global conscious shift. Marineland is still jumping off of dolphins' faces to loud music, and they're still standing on beluga whales and everything. It's as if they're... So what are they, when they shut down, what are they going to do with the animals? So, and this is where uh, this project that uh, I'm proud to be sort of uh, involved with is called the Whale Sanctuary Project. Um, we're looking to erect a site where uh, it'll be sort of a transition we can take these animals from captivity, put them in a in a cove like area, like a, a big bay, fenced off, and under human care. There's going to be efforts to uh, very responsibly reintroduce those that can to the wild. Otherwise, they can live their lives in this place with a sense of uh, of, of dignity, and they're going to feel the rhythms of the of the ocean. There'll be live fish available for them. Uh, you know, the water will be just perfect, and awesome. uh, yeah, they'll still be under human care. But that that is the future, so that's coming. So my hope is some of Marineland's animals go there. Otherwise, what happens to them right now is there's a big sell-off. Marineland is essentially dissolving. I mean, this is what I think. Okay, I don't want to be sued for lying. <laughs> But I think that they're done. They've sold off some property. We know they're selling off animals. We know they've already committed to, 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 to making it known that they're going to be getting rid of other ones. Uh, they say it's under the guise of, responsi- uh, of, of them not having enough space for them. But Are orcas related to dolphins? Yeah, they're actually dolphins. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're the largest dolphin. Uh, another amazing animal, dolphins. Hmm. You, know, you see them in the wild, uh, which I'm blessed. And you probably can any day you want. I mean, just drive down the... The Pacific Coast Highway, and you're going to see them out there. Yep. Um, yeah, I knew I did that. I saw some. Um, I was on there. Um, we were there somewhere with my friend's boat, and we saw some seals. And we they were on the, the deck, and uh, we were walking by, and they were big. Yeah. You know, you look at seals, you think little seals, sharks are chasing. They're big. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've worked with like yeah, 700 pound males too. They got big teeth. Yeah, and their bites are nasty. I've actually got a little bit of scar. It's not too bad there, but I got bit by a gray seal and but their mouths are so poisonous that you know as soon as you go to the hospital a it's funny when you say i got bit by a seal and they're like the fuck like i live in niagara falls ontario (laughs) there's no seals for hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of miles so uh but what they do is they draw that line with the pen and they say listen if that thing if that if if this 
uh, inflammation goes beyond this line, you better get in here because you know you're at risk of having your blood poison. It's it's yeah. a, it's it's in captivity and animals and zoos and whatnot. They've got the nastiest bite, the most dangerous. Wow. Yeah. Big seven hundred and fifty pound males. Woo. Yeah. Nat yeah. bite you, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, but they're nice. They're nice. I mean, you just gotta be. Uh, you know, make sure they're well fed. You do your best. Everything eat them. They they must have good blubber because everything wants to eat them. The sharks, the, um, the orcas, everything. When I was in the Salish Sea watching the wild orcas, they were they, some transients were killing a seal, yeah. and the person on the boat could smell it. She was like, "Oh, there's a seal being slaughtered," and she was she could smell it. She could smell it. She could smell it. Boom! In the distance, you could see some activity, some dorsal fins like sort of coming over the perimeter of the water or the ridge. And then we got there, and yeah, sure, shit, they're feasting on a seal. It was wow. crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. She could orcas. smell it. Yeah, orcas. Yeah, transient orcas. Smell the blood in the she air. She could taste it almost. It was, she's wow. like sweet. I'm like, I, I got Who a bad sense of smell, right? But no, oh, it's low, man. She was she's just a uh, native. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it was um, it was the boat was called Maya's Legacy. So you know, if you're ever in uh, Washington State or not yet, yeah, definitely go out and check out some orcas. There's nothing more humbling and uh, and, and awe inspiring than seeing animals in their natural environment, and especially orcas because they are a special. All right, very I'm going back with the warriors again. Okay, I saw and I think what was it? America? What was the name? National Geographic. Yeah, BBC. Yeah, uh, that, our planet. Uh, a polar bear. Was which is around oh, no, 2,000 pounds. He jumped on the warriors. He was like an ant. He was so small. Really? His, thick was, his skin was too thick for the warriors. The, the yeah, the warriors just keep walking. Just keep pierce going. It. Yeah, he couldn't even pierce his skin. That's crazy. So I saw an episode of, uh, our, I believe it's called Our Planet on BBC. And what happens, what's happening now is on account of the fact that there's less ice flows for the walruses to stay on while they're on hunts, they now are congregating in, in thousands on these beaches. And some of these beaches have like these large... Uh, cliffs and whatnot, and the walruses are finding themselves at these heights. And on account of that fact that they're a herd animals, uh, but b they have bad vision and whatnot, is during sort of times of panic or you know any something you know whatever triggers uh, this response, these walruses are suddenly finding themselves jumping over these cliffs and falling down these these huge uh, you know, distances, heights. And uh, on account of the fact that they're they're so big and blubbery, they're they're bouncing. It, they die. They die, but it's like brutally slow and stuff. Man, it's a powerful image to watch. What's happening to these animals? Wow. They're just—they're literally plunging off the cliffside. It's so that uh, you know the internet's talking about it. So, yeah, it's heartbreaking. But we need to see this. We have yeah. to see can this we stuff. See that right now. That's yeah, you can. Yeah. It's the BBC footage, so I, I imagine it's out there. Um, Mike, if I didn't say hi on behalf of my dad, who's a big fan, he would. Uh, uh, be disappointed. So I got to tell thank you, thank you, brother. Yeah. And and in fact, what's your dad's name? Roger. Hey, thanks, Roger. Oh, I, you got to shout out to my shout mom, Diane. To Raj. Too. Hey, Diane, you in the house? Yeah, she got the son here. One of my first memories, in fact, of my seeing my mom quite sad was uh, the day Customato died. And really, yeah. And she was. I remember she was leaning over the tables, and I said, "Oh, what's wrong?" She said, "You know, a good man died today." And she was just, she was distraught. And I didn't understand because I was you know a little bit young, uh, but. And that was that day. Uh, so I, I, now to find myself here is it's it's a poignant experience. And I really appreciate yeah, really that. God is strange. He did things. So shout out, much love to my mom, Diane. Much love to Diane. Where she's awesome. in Canada now. She's in Welland. Uh, it's a small place, uh, but please say shout out to Welland and the Wellanders, Mike. Please. All right, shout out to Welland and the Wellanders. Oh shit! Yeah, man, <laughs> legendary. Man. Hell yeah. How can people support you, man? SaveSmooshy.com. I got a GoFundMe. Please uh, help me out. I, I, my lawyers uh, are always very busy. 
Um, but, you know, we're keeping my voice in the game, and that's what's keeping this paradigm shift uh, alive and flowing. And, man, I see a day where I'm being able to raise my hand in victory, and I can't believe it. It's going to be soon. You know, seven years ago, if you told me that, I, you know, I, I, if, I, if you told me that seven years ago, maybe I wouldn't have had the energy to get through, to, through it all. Maybe it's the fear that kept me going. But, yeah. but by virtue of, I can only call it a miracle, I'm, I'm still in this thing. So, so yeah, you can uh, help me out there. And otherwise, you know, friends don't let friends go to Marine Land and no uh, fuck SeaWorld. Fuck Marine Land. Fuck them. Fuck them. I love you, Mike, man. I love yeah. you, Evan. Go into the wild, man. Hey, brother. Well, thank you so much, dude. Dude, it's been a, it's nothing but a blessing for me. It's a truly humbling thing to be here. Uh, I, I I believed and trusted the universe the day the decision was made for me, and and being a witness, there's no better seat in the house. So thank you for having me, and thank you just generally for this because this is changing the world. Man, it's great. It's thank great you, project. dude. Thank you, thank you. Great app, Mike. Man, good stuff, man. I'm good stuff. I'm seeing these warriors going over. The yeah, front, no, man. that that was not. I'm thinking when they fall, they're gonna break their fucking. Yeah, the tusks. Oh. Watch my documentary, though, Mike. Give me the 14 minutes of it, okay? We'll watch it. Cheers. Hey, brother, we've got your back, man. Thank you again. You're the man, Phil. The Walrus Whisperer. Check him out. All right, everybody. That was another episode of Hot Boxing. Check us out. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson. Head to our website, hotboxingpodcast.com, for all the latest. We've got our merch up there. Check it out. Great stuff. Mike, another awesome episode, brother. Beautiful shit. I'm out of here, dude. We're out, baby. Ow! Woo! Peace. This episode is brought to you by MyBookie Online. Head to MyBookie Online today. Use code HOTBOXING for a chance to receive a $1,000 bonus.